Welcome back to Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast, episode 127. This week we have something sci-fi and movie-related, movie-TV-related. Before um, my guest tells you what we're going to talk about, allow me to introduce him. Um, Hailing from Dundee, Um, he's one quarter of that comic smell, the Beatles of Dundee, as well as being a busy writer, artist and comics maker. Yes, this week we've got Dave Robertson back. Hello, Dave. Hello, Tony. How's, uh, the Beatles how, of Dundee. The Beatles of Dundee. Do you like that? Wow. Who, who would uh, you know that Mike is Ringo? Don't you? We all know that. Oh, Ringo. But think I of the ladies so. Ringo got. Hmm. Yeah. Who are you then? <clears throat> well, I wouldn't like to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let somebody else decide which Beatle I am, if any. I'm hoping to come and see you guys soon. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, I think in September I've said to Tom I'm going to come up. That'd be good. good. Yeah, looking forward, forward to, that. to that. Haven't seen yeah. Mike for years. He's not changed <laughs> at all because <laughs> he's an alien. He is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's is that the last time you were on when we did the double? We did the three the three part one with you, me, and Dave, uh, and you, me, and Mike. Yeah. Uh, we did Barefoot again since then. Oh, we have done. That's of course we did. We did the Manga Month one, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. In fact, I was thinking of Barefoot again the other day when I read a comic, which you might like, called The Town of Pigs, which is a bit like, it's got that Barefoot again, just frightening stuff going on, but we'll talk about that after we finish. Okay. Um, good. So you're back on to talk about something. Now, we had a bit of a drama because you did suggest one book that I sort of furiously went through almost every long box I own. And couldn't find, but I'm sure I've got it somewhere. Um, which got one of those what they call the kayfabe effect, didn't it? It, um, it turned up on the kayfabe channel, which you sent me. Um, mm-hmm. So it's bound to cost ten times what it normally costs by now on eBay. Yeah. Um, so we didn't. We went for a, a, a second choice. Did you want to tell the listeners what you've chosen, dude? Yeah, it's Star Trek Mirror Universe Saga. Cool. Now we've both got different versions of this. I've got. Uh, funny, this is so weird because um, I, I bought this about two, three weeks before you suggested it, and it was still sat on the reed pile next to my bed in the, in, in, on the, the side the side cabinet, you know. Um, mm. So I had this. Mine is the IDW version because obviously they had the rights to it. Mine's called Star Trek Classics, the Mirror Universe Saga. But I've, we've checked, and it's um, it contains the same issues as Star Trek 9 to 16, which was the DC run from the mid-'80s. I suppose this is going to be like 1985 onwards. I'll just run through the credits before we ask you where you got, how you came to get yours, dude. So it's written by Mike W. Barr. We'll be talking about him and the artists in a bit. Art by Tom Sutton. Inks by Ricardo Villagran. Uh, colours by Juliana Ferreta. Letters by John Costanza. The amazing Janice Chang and Carrie Spiegel. Cover art, which we're also going to talk about, is by J.K. Woodward. And the editor on this is Marv Wolfman, believe it or not, which is quite cool. There's quite quite a list of names there, actually. Yeah. Um, how did you come across... Did you read it in the issues, Dave, or did you read it in the trade first? Uh, I, I first read this last year. Oh, wow, time. OK. <laughs> right. Yeah, and the reason I picked it up was I was in the Norton Hill comic exchange place. Well, when I was with you, the day, the same day I met you. Uh, that's right. Mm. That's right. It was that day. Yeah, we went for a coffee and afterwards, so didn't we? Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I, I it was in there. They've got like a one pound section. Oh, uh, you showed me this. I'd completely forgotten. That's right. Yeah. And I went, one oh. pound? That'll do nicely. <laughs> Mirror Universe Saga. 
But yours is an earlier version, isn't it? A trade paperback from earlier on, is that right? Yeah, nineteen ninety one with a different cover yep. than your one. Yeah. Who's um who's published that one, dude? This is uh, well, it's actually got DC written on the front. And, okay, um, they still had the rights in, I think. Yeah. Yeah, published by DC Comics. Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Excellent. Now, um, mm. I my my earliest, I bought these as they were coming out in issues, so I've got the issues as a um in the in a long box somewhere. I just happened to buy this trade because I was doing a deep dive on uh, Star Trek at the time, which I've been moaning on to you for about ten minutes about. Um, inspired by um. A little bit of a disappointment around Discovery and an absolute love of Strange New Worlds. Um, I think we felt the same, didn't we, about Discovery? I think we both watched the first series, slogged our way through it. Yeah, for some reason it really annoyed me all the way through. <laughs> me, yeah. I yeah. can't even put my finger on why. It just really pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was just not enough fun in it. It just didn't feel fun to me. Um, yeah, yeah, it was kind of, everyone was horrible. Yeah, and grey. And everything. Mm. Are you um? Are you a big Trek fan? Yeah, I I I would say I love Star Trek, and I would say I love it when it's Shatner and Nimoy and and all those people. Yeah, the original, the <coughs> TOS then, yeah. as we call it. Yeah, yeah, I refuse to call it that because <laughs> because it's Star Trek. Just Star all Trek. the others can have a subtitle, okay. but I like Star Trek. Cool. Okay. So I'm told. <laughs> right. Um. And um, also running at the same time as this, and we'll go a little. I'll, I'll give a little rundown of the history of Star Trek comics because it's actually quite interesting. Was um, the Next Generation comic, which was being written, I believe, by Peter David at the time. Did you did mm. you have any any memory of that one, or have you read that one? No, I never read that one. I, uh, th- this bad attitude I've got towards any other Star Trek <laughs> than the original kicked in immediately. Right. As soon as they um, brought in the Next Gen and what have you. I thought, no, I'm not having this. Right. Although, you know, I'm exaggerating a bit because when it first came on, I did watch it and think, yeah, well, okay, whatever. It was only really when they brought out the the film where they killed Captain Kirk and yeah. they said, okay, now it's films with the next-gen guys. Then I got pissed off. <laughs> they didn't last long either, did they? It was a much quicker little series yeah, of films, just seemingly. just a few, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. No, well, that's interesting because these... This is the original... This is Star Trek... Um, some might call it the original series, um, <laughs> the, but it's um, it's a weird one, isn't it, Dave? Because it occurs between Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock and Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Yes, but it's almost in a way, it's like a um, um, a what if almost or an Elseworlds, isn't it? Because they didn't the script for Voyage Home either hadn't been written or Mike W. Barr hadn't had access to it. So they kind of jump the gun on a lot of things in it, don't they? Yeah, I think the DC had the same problem that they had with Star Wars movies, where yeah. they would, a Star Wars film would end, and then they would make up stories for them to run around doing things that didn't matter much to the main plot of the movies. Yeah. Uh, and then they would adapt to the next movie, and that would be fine. But the problem they had with Star Trek, that every time, like if Star Trek two ended and Spock was dead and all that and, and and then they would carry on for two or three years doing other stories and then Star Trek 3 would come out and would be set the day after Star <laughs> yeah, Trek 2 had finished yeah it literally was wasn't it yeah yeah and then they did the same thing again between 3 and 4 so there's years worth of stories that couldn't possibly have happened 
It's almost like an imaginary story, isn't it? This one. It ends up being like that, yeah. Yeah, but they Even obviously didn't the know at the time. Yeah, the, they've got the when Spock wasn't in the comics because he was dead. They had this Klingon dude, Conom. Yeah, that was on the in the Enterprise crew, and he was part of their adventures and all that. And then he's still in it later, even though it couldn't possibly have happened anymore. Anyway, I don't worry about any of that. <laughs> no, and I was enjoying it at the time as it was coming out, and you know, I I'm I was a big fan of the films as well. Were you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was. I, I remember seeing them at the pictures, and I remember seeing one and thinking, "Well, this is a bit boring." But thank yes. God they're back, sort of thing. And then I saw two, and I thought, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And then three just sort of they sort of rattled on for a while, didn't they? Apart from there was a slight hiccup around five. Um, Shatner's daughter's written a great book about the making of five, which is well worth picking up because um, she was on the set. She's she's appeared in the series a few times. Anyway, we, we, I promise you, we would just talk about the comics because you'll get me going on Star Trek. Right before um, we start talking about the creators and stuff, did you want to give? Now let's say a, just an outline pen picture of what happens because there seems to be a lot of running backwards and forwards and stuff in this doesn't there uh, narrative wise um yeah I'll, I'll do my best okay yeah because as i said to you i was rereading this and i started and i had in mind uh summing it up yeah uh, I, and so with that in mind i was thinking what on earth as i was reading it what's going on here i promise you i didn't read it and think i don't know what's going on so i'll get dave to explain it i promise that didn't happen <laughs> yeah, yeah i yeah. believe you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as you said, it starts up right after Star Trek Three, and, and Spock is alive again, and he's and he's got his personality back in his head, but he's still confused and all that. Yeah. So they, so they, uh, so that's. I mean, this is probably okay for anybody to read, but you need to probably have seen Star Trek Three, and you probably need to know about the episode uh, Mirror, Mirror, Mirror. Yeah. There's the kind of the, the evil Star Trek crew. Yeah. Um, so that's the two things in mind, and so the the um, uh, the the crew all leave, but they leave Spock on the planet because he's still got recuperation to do. Yeah, and um, I think one good thing about this, there's more space than in the in the movies, so a lot more of the characters get room to have conversations and discuss things that yeah. wouldn't be in the movie. You know, I think we there's got a used, nice bit. We got used to in so, the movies of having the Sulu moment and the you know. Yeah. Che- Chekhov gets, you know, two or three lines, Ahura gets two or three lines. But in this, they're right. much more present on there. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was nice in this. And um, you had uh, Sulu discussing how he was he was going to be a captain, but he, uh, he they'd probably lost that chance now because uh, you, you remember in the movie, they steal the Enterprise yeah. in order to save Spock and end up destroying it. <laughs> yes. I mean, they are quite rebellious, really. I mean, they should fire Kirk at least. Yeah. So, it's, so the are, famous line is, "What have they said?" That he says the answer is no, but we go anyway. So that's that's right. a great moment. I love that. moment. That is great. Yeah, that's yeah. when I fell in love with Kirk. That's to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And and um, the the comic takes Star Trek seriously. You know, that's yeah. what one thing I like about it. You can tell them writing it that they're into it. So you get quite serious. Mo- I mean, Kirk's son dies in in the film. So in this comic, we've got a funeral. For David Kirk, yeah, and uh, there's a moment with David's mum, and she's angry at Captain Kirk and all this kind of thing. So, I mean, it is a fun comic, but it's also taking it. Yeah, there's quite a serious. contextual continuity, isn't there, of character and 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 what they think is going to be the plot. And I think 
um, I, I have a big theory about this period of Star Trek where you and I loved the strangeness and the adventure of the first series, but in this they actually coexist as a, almost like a family unit. They, they become much closer in the movies. Mm -hmm. And Kirk becomes much more sort of solid and philosophical and you know he's he's like the we really begin to see him as the ultimate leader and he has these great lines you know these almost to camera or staring out of a window these solid one-liners that keep turning up throughout it um especially for, for example the point when when spock dies you know there's or when you know he shouts khan and all these moments and i think bard does a great job of replicating the gravitas of moments in the comic on and off as well. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Barr writes this uh, well. For, uh, it feels good. It feels like Star Trek, you know? Yeah, you it really does. He, yeah. yeah. I think you're right, man. Yeah. Um, so we've got the Mirror Universe. In fact, I don't know if you know this. It's actually a prog rock band called Spock's Beard. Have you ever heard of them? Yes, I've <laughs> yeah. heard of that. Yeah, 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 Spock's Beard. Yeah. Based on the fact that Spock has got a beard in Mirror Mirror and and mm. and, and, and so following in this comic. Um, so we get that. Um they they end up in the Enterprise, don't they? Um, where in the the movies we remember, remember they ended up in one of the Birds of Prey, the Klingon Bird yes. of Prey, that could um, that could cloak. Um, yes. And they end up in the Mirror Universe, don't they? Is that right? Or does the Mirror well, Universe end up uh, with us? Uh, before that, the, uh, the, the it's quite good the way the comic does it. It switches to the evil Enterprise crew, yeah, without actually kind of telling you that at first. Yeah. So suddenly Kirk's going around uh, blowing things up the, the the space station and what have you, and and then yeah. it's only like four or five pages in, they announce yes because we had the evil Star Trek people. And you notice it's a bit like that Austin Powers moment where you his knob is always hidden by a leaf. That's right. But they do that with Spock's beard, don't they? He's always just slightly out of view, so you, you're yeah, not going to guess he's it. Behind somebody's shoulder, or he's got his face in some device, and you can't see the <laughs> yeah. beard. It's genius. Yeah, that is good. I, I was smiling at that. And obviously, they avoid the um, the sexy midriffs of uh, Uhura and Savik as well, don't they? That's yeah. right, and cleavages as well. Yes. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I know they're evil, but that's okay. Yeah, let's face it; most of them are. Um, <laughs> um, so, what happens from thing. there? Go on, man. Yeah, they Sorry. brought in. They had. Um, they had to go back to uh, the Federation, uh, and yep. um, and what are they going to do? So the the, the snotty Captain Styles that was in Star Trek Three, he yeah. is in this, and that was a good choice because he was a horrible snotty Captain. Yeah, uh, and he he's kind of he's not as good as Kirk, and he's jealous of Kirk and hates him and all that. And he thinks he's got a better ship, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, so, but then when the when the the mirror universe Kirk and uh, Enterprise attack, Styles is is pretty ineffectual, and uh, so the evil Kirk cannot take over the Excelsior. Yep. The Excelsior is a is quite an ongoing thing in this comic, as it was in the in the movies at the time. You yeah, know? yeah. They were always they were always teasing. This was the new, better ship than the Enterprise, you know. And yeah, and they had Sulu looking at it like, "Oh, I want that. I want to be the captain of that." Things, you know. Yeah. So it was it was good, and yeah. I think they used that in this comic well. I think so as well, and and the 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 art that features, and there's a lot of art that features starships and stuff. It is very spot on, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah really I mean, that, that must take a lot of time, getting all those details right and everything. 
Yeah, I can imagine. And see, to me, the Excelsior always looked like a bit of a fat bus compared to the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it had a bit of weight on it, didn't it? Yeah, like a bit of a gut hanging down, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the one that Sulu gets, isn't it? That's the one from... Yeah, um, it pays off later yeah. in, the, in the last film. Yeah. Um, where he is, got it. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's a it's a side thing, but, um, you know, I'm as, I'm as big a Star Trekky or whatever we get called it as you are. Yeah. And I read um, Taki's book, George Taki's book. Okay. Hi. Yeah. And he was saying, um, you know, he hadn't heard anything at all about Star Trek 6. He was just pretty much finished. He thought, ah, that'll do it. And then he just got this script from Leonard Nimoy and he just opened it and the first page says, Captain Sulu is sitting aboard the Excelsior. <laughs> yeah, drinking tea. And he went, oh yeah. my, right, he's doing it. He was in. Yeah. And that's what <laughs> says that the ship will fly apart. We'll fly it apart then. Well, the be- right. best yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. You know, I, I, for years, I really thought they were going to do a Captain Sulu TV Well, he show. wanted to, didn't he? Press yeah, for it. I know they've, they've done some novels, haven't they, um, where he's mm-hmm. the captain? Yeah, which I haven't read those. I've read a lot of Star Trek novels. I haven't ventured into those yet. But, yeah, I quite fancy that. Yeah, they should have done that. And even the end of the movie sets up like that. You know, the Enterprise yeah. goes one way, the Excelsior goes the other way. And yeah. it's like, well, that'll be good. And that's a TV series. And, of course, we sit here in the in the knowledge that there's only three guys left, aren't there? We lost Nichelle Nichols very sadly a few weeks ago. I know, yeah, that was and sad. And there's... Yeah. Um, Walter Koenig, um, George Takai and Bill Shatner. They're the three left, aren't they? It's a real shame. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and then none of them are young men. Although Shatner does appear to be immortal somehow. Well, um, I think I'll let my uh, superstitious side get the better of me and I won't even say anything to that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is that okay? That's fine. I, yeah. I have a habit of doing this as well. <laughs> I, I'm, I remember I looked at, I was watching an interview with James Kahn and I watched The Godfather the day before he died. And then oh. I watched um, Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 3 the day before Nichelle Nichols died. So oh, no. I'm thinking about watching some James Corden movies this weekend. Yeah, yeah get tore in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch as many as you can. <laughs> Good. Now... Um, anyway, yeah. Go on, sorry. Will I, will I say yeah. another bit of this? Yeah, go on. Do you know, yeah, I've yeah. got a few things written down before I just got completely lost. Okay. So I'll say as much as I can. Okay. You've you've got the story with um with the evil guys, but what they've done is uh evil Kirk says to evil Spock, you go and get good Spock on Vulcan. He's there. Yeah. So um, he goes off on his own, doesn't he? Because he goes it, off on his in, own. In the TV series, Spock turned out to be all right, didn't he? We he was the, the great hope to change the empire around, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah. He said something like, "He is rather like our Mister Spock, isn't he?" Yeah. And they were smiling about it. That's right. Um. So, uh, but then Spock, uh, our Spock's mind is still in tor- turmoil. So, um, the evil one mind melts with him. Yeah, one and of my favourite pages, that man, actually. That's a nice yeah. double-page spread, isn't it, that one? And the cover to that issue as well. I had that marked down as a favourite. The, oh, the, nice. the Spock mind melds. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. <clears throat> it was good story-wise as well, because it helped um, mirror Spock see that maybe he was not doing things properly. He should yeah. turn good. And it also helped Spock kind of get his brain back together, <laughs> mind meld him with himself. Yes, yeah. So they helped each other there. Yeah. I thought that was quite good. That was quite clever. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And they could have done with that solution in the movies. Save a lot yeah. of wandering around looking a bit lost. Yeah. Mind bell with yourself. <laughs> yeah. So then what? Kirk takes over the Enterprise. Does that sound right? I think I think you're right. Yeah. I'm even looking at my notes thinking, wait a minute now, was that right now? <laughs> yeah, because then the battle to the Excelsior. Yeah, it does. 
Kirk takes over the the evil enterprise because of course his own enterprise got blown up. Yeah. Yeah. So they they um they stage a fight, don't they? Win the fight That's and take right. over. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he also when uh, Kirk meets Marlena. Yeah. Who who is like the wife of the evil Kirk who he met in the TV series years before and yeah. she sort of fell in love with him uh, and vice versa. And Kirk does what Kirk does twice in this comic. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something like uh, there's only one way to find out if it's really you, good James Kirk, and then they're, they're, they're they're at it. Yeah, and then they're back at it good. about in the following issue as well, I notice. Yeah. 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 And yeah. actual full on lying around in bed. <laughs> the universe is going to shit, you know. They've got this mission, and he but he does yeah. take the time. You got to love yeah, him for well, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to look after yourself, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So then he decides this um, to go to the better universe. So good. This is where things really start getting mixed up, and uh, for me, because yeah. Good Kirk says, "Right, I'll pretend to be evil Kirk," and the interesting thing was uh, they all dress kind of the same, but they're they're slightly different shade of red on the evil right uh, okay yeah so i thought well, that's they've got different color slightly if you if they're evil right okay oh, um, interesting and so he goes there and meets the the resistance that marlena knew about yeah. the resistance against um the empire it's called in the mirror universe there yeah. it's not the federation it's the evil empire and he goes there and his son david is is there he's still alive in that universe so that's emotional for him too yeah and he's part of the resistance and also he's not in a in a change to what seems to be usual he's not evil son david he he's nice guy david as well the same yeah. way he was in this universe so um kirk gets involved with the resistance and what have you that's a great that's a great cover as well for that issue where he's sort of shouting David, and they've sort of, the, the resistance are all pouring out of what I'm guessing are the sewers under the city. Um, well, I think you've done um, you've done better over me because my collection they didn't put the covers in. Oh, okay, right, that's a shame. So uh, yeah. yeah, I'll have to look up the covers online. Yeah, cool. So now uh, the two Spocks that, that are hanging out and friendly have come back and, and they've joined with Kirk and all that, and, and but they've now got on board that bird of prey. Yeah, that was hanging around. And and they're they're doing things like uh, it's cloaked and they're flying around shooting all manner of spaceships while it's cloaked. Yeah, that's not right. No, that doesn't really fit in with continuity. Yeah, but to fire when you're things. cloaked doesn't happen until the, the undiscovered country, as I understand it. That's right. I think yeah. I think there's a bit where I think in Star Trek two or three, Kirk says something like, uh, "If my guess is right, they'll have to decloak before they fire." It's a, yeah. it's a throwaway thing like that. Yeah, so it's quite it probably a big, wasn't... it's quite a big story beat in the very last spoilers, everyone, in the very last episode of Strange New World as well. Ah, okay. Yeah, interesting. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you get to that one. Not necessarily yeah. the Klingons either. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've got to have a tailpipe. Yes, they've <laughs> got to have a tailpipe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So right. So let's fo- just fast forward to the end. We get, right. we get, because do you know what? It confuses me, and I think it's probably just a fun read. And uh... do you know what it is? I've just got like <laughs> a few plot points from there. Things like Kirk and team go on a raid on the prison planet. Yep, cool. Conob Co- helps Spock negotiate yep. with the Klingons. Yep. It's things like that. 
and then quite how all of it ties together. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was thinking about it um, on the way home from work today, thinking, why did what happened to the Klingons? I can't remember why the Klingons are there. And then you kind yeah. of get this surprise Andorian journalist at the end, don't you? Yes. That was like a wee epilogue issue, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a strange one. Um, she who sort of she is... comes in and gets a story. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, Kirk stops invasion. Like because they're all ready to pu- uh, punish Kirk and, and, and all that, but then she sort of uncovers the truth that he's actually just saved the entire universe again. Yeah. And so public uh, opinion is with Kirk. Yeah, and she he, he sends her, he, he beams down some flowers at the end with a yes. little thank you JTK written That's on it. That's right. You know he's going to be banging her later. It's going no. to happen, in it? If he hasn't already, yeah, exactly. and he's uh, he he gets given the the Excelsior. He's the captain of that now, and then Spock gets another ship and told to go away on a, another mission. Yeah, so and that's the happy ending. Utterly outside of continuity. Um, I mean, I mm. read I read this at the time, and I can't remember where I thought it, but I th- I'm sure if it was if it, it, I was me back then, I'd be thinking, how do they know this is going to happen in the next movie? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then you go to see the fourth one, and it's like, yeah, yeah, they're still they're still on Vulcan. The thing is with the Star Wars movies is that you know with pre-internet and you know pre twenty-four hour news cycle and all that sort of bollocks. But the we were never sure there was another one coming ever, you know. So they made the first one. It was a bit boring, and me and my mate said, I don't know, if, you know that's a bit boring. And we, we wouldn't we didn't really live in the world of sequels at the time. You know, it wasn't no. as if every movie had to have a series of sequels. So I thought, right. oh, that was nice. They were back, and then we got then we got Star Trek Two, and that was quite cool. And then the only sort of thing that hinted at the end of Star Trek Two was the fact that we got this little hint at the end that Spock might be alive. Yes. And then we got three, and we thought, well, that maybe that's the end of the story. So they, but they yeah. kept coming, you know. Um, it was, even, yeah, I remember that at the time. It was like, yeah, well, that's it finished. Uh, yeah. It was like motion picture was like, oh, well, they made a movie of it. Okay, right. Yeah. And then it was like two, oh, well, Spock's dead. Oh, well, that's good. The end. And then it was like the blue of the Enterprise. Oh, man. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you it know, was a big four, deal, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, five, that one was called The Final Frontier. So that was like, oh, okay, then. Fine. And that, was, that was a difficult, God bless it, that was a difficult one to sit through. Some some oh. stuff in that ain't great. You know, I know they had some issues yeah. with funding and effects and stuff like that. Mm. Um and then, and, you know, yeah. it kept rolling on. I feel, I feel I should say I'm, I'm really fond of Five. I think it's good, but the the problem with that is the story is fundamentally flawed, isn't it? The God thing, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. never going to work. Yeah, but Origi- I think I had a lot of good stuff put on top of it. Originally, it was going to be. Originally, they had, they attempted to get Connery to play that role. Did you know that of Cyborg? Oh, I'd yeah. uh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, he would have cool. been busy at the time, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think he yeah, went Indiana off and Jones did. Um, yeah, I think he'd go off and do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, well, getting back to comics here, Dave. Mm, is, um, yeah. We've, so full disclosure, we were going to talk about Blade Runner, the, the adaption, but I couldn't find my copy and I looked on eBay and it's far too expensive. Um, I know we have previously talked about Star Wars and I know you're a fan of the Battlestar Galactica comics. Oh, yeah. What, what draws you to comic adaptions of movie and TV? Is there, is there a particular thing that's the, what you're attracted to and why? Well, it's probably nostalgia, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with all that stuff. Mm. I mean, that that probably is it because if a new Star Trek series came out now, I wouldn't want to read it. <laughs> yeah. And you know that would be even if it was. In fact, they did a Star Trek Year Four series. Yeah, yeah, I've read quite it. recently. Yeah. And I think I I thought, oh look, they're pretending there was a season four, and there's the comic. Oh, okay. So I remember I bought the first one, and I thought, no, 
Yeah, I read season four and season five, year five, which has come out as well. Um, yeah, and I did. I, 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 to be fair, I did really enjoy them. I, they were actually. There's been some ropey Star Trek comics too. I think you'll probably agree yeah. with me over the years. Um, but this, these were quite well done. Um, yeah, and I think they would have been what would have been phase two, which was the attempt to bring Star oh, Trek yeah. back mm-hmm. post the cartoon. Um, yeah. Good. Yeah. So it, I think you're right, man. It is nostalgia. And, and the ability of like Star Wars comics and especially Battlestar Galactica, the ability to do stuff in the comics that they just wouldn't have the budget for in the TV series, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I th- think. also think it's got to be, it's got to have a kind of, authenticity for me <laughs> yeah you know as monkey as this sounds no agree you know I, I will go back and read all the gold key comics and all that from the 60s and 70s because yeah. to me they're of the time you know yeah and probably if some modern day creative team did the exact same stories and put them out last week i'd say i'm not reading that crap you know <laughs> even if it was the exact same yeah it doesn't make any sense but it's like going back and getting a bit of that authentic time period stuff you know yeah there's something about it is so evocative isn't it you know? yeah yeah there really is um yeah that's that's interesting so let's just run quickly through the comics history while we're on it actually so gold key um were the first people to publish star trek comics um between 67 and 79 it's a strange series i'm gonna i'm gonna argue in a minute there's a stranger one but the I was reading it. I have yet to fact check this day, but I read something today. I saw a video on YouTube today that claimed that Star Trek didn't start on the BBC until 1969. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chance people of that age were reading Star Trek comics before they had any chance to see the TV series in the UK. Um, I and, believe that's right. And I think there was British comics. Yes, there as were. well. Yeah. Yeah. They might were. have been after it was on air, probably. Uh, maybe just, or maybe, maybe slightly just, before. So yeah. you had the TV 21 strips. From that ran yeah. from 69 to 71. 105 issues of comics, that was. They're um, good. They're, yeah. they're, they are wacky, because they've got a lot of uh, British idioms in them. Yes, and a lot of British you artists, know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. like they go and play football, <laughs> oh, right, soccer okay. and stuff, yeah. They've they've been released in hardback, haven't they? I think you can get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've got a couple of them. The, oh, the cool. Eagle Moss, um, Eagle oh, Moss right. collections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something like the classic UK comics, something like that they were called. And not expensive either, those books. I think I was looking at no, them like, the other day. Yeah, yeah, 10 quid or something, yeah. But in the Gold Key comics, weirdly, um, some of the creators, the artists, um, the, the the first artist was a guy called Alberto Gioliti, and he hadn't seen the TV series. He was purely illustrating it from a set of photographs he had from the second pilot, um, which was the first pilot to be transmitted on tv where their uniforms yeah. were very different as well weren't they they were sort of almost like polonex they were wearing yeah um, they were different yeah and he didn't have a picture of scotty so in those early yeah. issues scotty's just some blonde dude um, <laughs> it's a bit weird uh, an interesting len Wein work wrote a few of them as well early jobs for mm-hmm. him yeah um and then we obviously got the tv 21 strips um uh, 105 issues of that. Between 79 and 83, the Los Angeles Times ran um, a strip that became syndicated, a Star Trek um, newspaper strip. Marvel Eagle did... Moss collected that as well. Oh, cool. I must have looked for that then. Yeah. That one's... that A good thing about that is they'd sent uh, a bunch of photos because it's based on the motion picture. Right. And they said, Here, here's the crew. They look like this now. 
And so they told them that, and they didn't tell them that Decker and Elia die in the film. Oh, right, okay. So there's like weeks and weeks of uh, newspaper strips set after the movie where Ilya and Decker are still working away on the bridge. Ah, it's interesting. I had something yeah. of an awakening to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Marvel did. Okay. Now, I know you're a fan of these Marvel issues, but oh, yeah. they ran from 79 to 81. They're only 18 issues plus the special, though, so they adapted the motion picture movie. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking weird run, Dave, isn't it? Sure it is, yeah. Can they fight gnomes in one issue? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently they, they had the license to use the characters from the, the Enterprise, but nothing else. So they couldn't use um, Romulans or, you know, any of the other the big villains, you know. Yeah. Um, so they had to make these strange characters up. It's a, it's a bizarrely interesting series. That's another series that my... my uh... My collecting head is I want all of them. Yeah. yeah. You can get them quite cheaply still, can't you, off. I think? Yeah. You can get them cheaply, but only from the States. So you know how it is, oh, you know, right. two dollars plus twenty six dollars shipping. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you know, uh, I'm gonna end up going for it one of these. I'm just gonna go sort it and... You and the uh the Beatles need to get together and just like put you know <laughs> go to Mile High Comics and just everyone has a comic and then get it as a big batch maybe or something. Yeah. Might be a way to do it. I'll put that to them. Good idea. Yeah. Um, a couple of the other sort of peculiarities of Star Trek, and everyone sees Star Trek these days, I think, as this sort of massive corporate beast of, you know, syndication. You can buy Star Trek socks and, you know, snow globes and all these sort of bollocks. But back at the time of the series, and certainly as the movie, the first movie came out, the motion picture, it was kind of low key. There wasn't that much. We had some power records, which were, you know, those, you got a record in the back of a comic. And you could play mm-hmm. it, and it was sort of badly acted stuff. Yes. Uh, but we got um, also what we refer to over here as fumetti. I know fumetti means Italian, means comics mm-hmm. in Italian, but fumetti for us was like photo stories. Yes. And Bantam brought out a series of books. I think there's 10 of them. I've got them. Um, that are sort of stills from the TV series. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, they're um, another bizarre thing. Was that in the 70s then? Yes, I think so. I think. Yeah. 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 And I know that John Byrne went back and did it again, didn't he? Mm, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, I love I love John Byrne, but he must be nuts. It's a waste of time, really, isn't it? But yeah, it, a little it, bit. It's probably, you know, keep him happy, yeah. Yeah, he probably just did it for a laugh, so if they go for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hobby, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, we bouncing on from the Marvel, Marvel lost the licence, it went over to DC Comics, and we got the long, long-running Star Trek and the Next Generation comics. And we got a few miniseries, The Impala, of the, what was the um, Modala Imperative, stuff like that. Um, yes. And the DC Comics runs, I found them all really interesting, really good. I was reading them month by month, and they were a great continuing story. Um, Star Trek Next Generation had been out. Um, I think they did the first Next Generation comics and they were still in those tight costumes they wore in the first two seasons, so they were still early on and they ran through. And Peter David, who was also writing a lot of the the novels at the time, um, wrote some of them and they're they're a good read. They really are. Um, And that ran for quite a long time. But the longest, the holder of the longest license for them is now IDW. So it was Goldkey for a long time who did 12 years with it. But IDW are now well over 15 years. Um, with the license, and they've put out a mixed bag, Dave, yeah. of comics. 
Okay. Everything from the Kelvin verse, which is the new movie franchise, oh, yeah. to mm-hmm. um, comics about Discovery and Lower Decks, and you know even Deep Space Nine and Voyager as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so you've, you've liked some of that, though. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've, I'm, yeah. Year four and year five, absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved. And we're about to discuss one of them, which I didn't love so much. But um, we, I know I texted you just to say we're going to talk about the cover from J.K. Woodward, which is a different cover to the collection you've got. Does it have a credit for the cover on your one, man? Yeah, it does. Who's it's it uh, Ken Christie. Okay. It's, it's, Ken it's a sort Christie. of painterly one as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's quite nice, yeah. Yeah, cool. Now, the cover for this one isn't unpleasant. It's clearly photograph referenced you know which i've got no problem with reference um it's a little bit i've read some of this is by jk woodward these i've read a lot of comics by him they did a matt smith doctor who crossover with the next generation and i found myself just sort of figuring out which episode of each series each each character was drawn from you know so Yeah. yeah that's from such and such movie with Riker standing you know it was almost like that and he also did, I read it tonight, he did a Harlan Ellison. So, Sit on the Edge of Forever, which is, um, I mean, many fans believe to be the best series of the best episode of the original series, um, was actually very different when originally written by Harlan Ellison. Quite a lot, a lot darker, to be fair. Um, and they took the original script that Ellison had wrote and they, they wrote it, they made it into a graphic novel and he's drawn it. And it is honestly just a series of every picture is a photograph traced over. Or I can't say that for definite, but it just appears to be that to me. Um, and I wasn't such a big fan of that. But I'm guessing that a painterly cover on a trade paperback sells it more than, you know, a Tom Sutton interior-style page. Maybe. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. The normies probably so. love that, don't they? Well, yeah, they even did it going back to, remember, the Silver Surfer Kirby yeah. um, late 70s thing. They, put a, they didn't put Kirby art on it, did they? They put a painted thing on the front. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, man. So that, um, yeah, that's the mindset. It's probably a more classy product. Yeah, it sits there on the shelf. And people <laughs> who buy the, you know, the DC Fontana novels and all this sort of thing, Jan Michael Friedman yeah. novels, are going to pick it up, aren't they? Yeah, I've got no problem with that. I just think the interiors didn't work particularly on the other version. But for this one, um, it's fine. Now, mm-hmm. how did you find the um, the likenesses, dude? Did you did you find them okay? or? Well, I thought... Um, Every drawn didn't look exactly like the actor, but I felt like they got the characters yeah. well, you know? I mean, in a way, they did look like the characters, if not exactly like the actors. Yes. Yeah, um, I get you. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I it's... mean, some of them were more... I mean, I think the ones of Scotty are unlike the, the gold key, that Scotty really looks like Scotty a lot of the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but other than that, I thought it was... I thought it was okay. It didn't. Sometimes when it's too like the actors, that can yeah. stop you reading it. You know, pitch it off a bit. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I think you need a shortcut when you're drawing an actor, don't you, to identify yeah. them. I actually like a lot of the Kirk stuff in this. Um, yes. I mean, Savick isn't exactly who she is, and at, but that at that point we'd had two actresses playing Savick anyway. Hadn't That's we? right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's pretty well done. You know, there's there's moments where they're better than others, put it that way, I suppose. But that maybe is the speed of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, because this was this was just a regular weekly comic. Uh, yeah. Sorry, monthly comic. It wasn't like, you know, Adam Hughes doing that 
25th anniversary thing where he spent years doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I forget the name of it. But... And do you, um, had you seen much by Tom Sutton before that, dude? Or? Um, not a lot. I mean, I've, I've probably... Star Trek was the main thing that I know him yeah. from. I've seen some other things. Like, uh, he, he did some of that Space 1999 that I picked up oh, okay. last year. And oh, he did a bit of Godzilla. That. Right. Hmm. Um, I'm sure he did some of that Warlock as well. Oh, okay. So he's before Jim Starling. This is an interesting um, case study for him, actually, because so just briefly, let's just give a potted history of him. Born in 1937, sadly died in 2002. Born in Massachusetts, um, used the pen names of Dementia and Sean Todd as well. And he was one of these artists, we've talked about this on the pod before, who used used the example, uh, the advantage of being involved in you know the army to use what was called the GI Bill to enrol at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And during that time, he also worked in a lot of illustration and animation. But while he was stationed in the forces, he drew strips for Stars and Stripes newspaper, which was the big um, um, army-navy newspaper that was delivered to bases. You know, it was a very popular newspaper at the time. And he described, um, he he drew a character in, in a newspaper strip called Johnny Craig because he was really inspired by the ECI. Oh, yeah. So he just basically called him that. Um, his first two comic stories appeared in the same month, actually, in September 1967. The Monster from 1 Million BC was in Erie, Erie Magazine, The Warren Magazine, issue 11. And The Wild Ones appeared in Kid Cult Outlaw, Outlaw number 137. Um, to me, he later stamped his... Two things for me, and if anyone says Tom Sutton, the two things that, turn, that spring to mind for me are his Vampirella work on the Warren comics, and also his Planet of the Apes stuff with Doug Munch. Um, mm. Have you? They they are brilliant. The, the, are you a Planet of the Apes fan? I'm guessing you probably are, dude. Are you? Or? I am. Yeah, but yeah. I haven't read those comics. He did. I read the Mike Plug stuff. Yes, he did some great stuff as well. Another great one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's good on on Planet of the Apes. Yeah, well worth picking up. I think they're about to re-release the black and white magazine stuff, and I think his stuff's in there. Um, he then went over and did Frankenstein two for Psycho magazine at Skywald, um, which was a sort of competitor, short-lived, more short-lived compared to the Warren magazines. And he worked extensively for Charlton, which I bought a box load of recently of Charlton comics. Says he worked in some of these titles: Ghost Manor, Midnight Tales. Monster Hunters, um, which was an early comic for Mike Zeck, and The Many Ghosts of Dr. Graves, which are more sort of house mystery, house of secrets kind of titles, a lot of them. Um, which he also he worked on I Vampire and the House of Mystery and House of Secrets books over at DC after that as well. At Marvel, he did quite a lot, but just sort of filler issues, really. He worked on John Carter, um, uh, Conan, Fantastic Four, the Logan's Run comic, I'm guessing that's another favourite of yours? Uh, or, yeah. yeah. Um, Man-Thing, and also in the, the very short-lived, um, and the comic's much more exciting than the TV series, Man from Atlantis comics. Mm. Um, are you familiar with that one, dude? Have you ever seen that? I've not read it, but I mean, I've, I've looked at it on eBay and thought, I want to buy that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried, I, tried, I think they had the TV series on that. There's like some obscure channel on sky called forces tv i think it's finished now and they used to show oh, yes and that's I thought, right they showed um space 1999 all that sort of thing as mm-hmm. well and i thought right i'm gonna watch man from atlantis i think i made it 10 minutes into it it's fucking oh. dull yeah i used to watch it back in the day all oh, right okay it used to it used to be on at the same time that dallas was on 
Ah, uh, that rings so a bell. So the man from Atlantis in the afternoon or something. Yeah, because he was. Is it Duffy? What was his name? He was in it. Patrick wasn't he? Duffy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't tell me. He's Jr. He Bobby. Bobby, Bobby Ewing. Ewing. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be hey this other Bobby Ewing programs on where he's like Aquaman, you know. Yeah, I used to watch it, and then we all used to try and imitate the way he did that weird swimming. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. underwater swimming. Um, That's right. So his longest run on comics, I think, to be fair, has been the Star Trek books, and he also adapted Search for Spock and Journey Home. Um, I don't think at the time they've done one since, but I don't think there was a um, Star Trek True Wrath of Khan adaption. I think That's because right. which is a shame. Yeah, it jumped from Marvel to DC, and I think they missed it. Um, yes, but I think they've done one since. I must look that out. Um, he also they have. Oh, okay. Yes. Good. Um, because it was a. It was a, a dilemma for me because I've got one and then three to six yeah. comics and they, they've never done two and then they did two and then I looked at it and I thought, no, it's not right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't say published 1982 on it. It says yeah. published 2020 or something. I thought, no, and it's on glossy paper and it's oh, this and that. Smash and it's the like, place nah, up, Dave. Don't want it. Smash don't it want up. It. Yeah. Nice try, but no. <laughs> Which fucking pair of grumpy old bastards, aren't we? Um, well, I am. Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. Um, so he also did lots of work for Paradox Press books. Was, was the Big Book of Hoaxes, the Big Book of Losers, the Big Book of Martyrs, all that series. He did quite a lot for them. Um, this, I find, um, we're going to talk about the Inca in a minute, but I think the Inca overpowers him a bit on this, Dave, compared oh, to his other style. Um the Inca is a guy called Ricardo Villagran. Um, often Inca, occasional full art. Born in 1938, mm. he's an Argentinian artist. Um, and he um, he's, he's another guy who, who did national service but managed to sort of create this career for himself as well whilst um, in the forces in Argentina. His brothers are Enrique and Carlos, and they're both artists too. But in 1982, he travelled to the US and worked at a variety of publishers. But in 1983, he says is what was his big breakthrough. He met Chuck Dixon at a convention. And they began collaborating on the first comic series, I think his first, and Kamiko, called Evangeline. Um, And his work's been published all around the world, you know, all different languages and stuff. Um, I wrote down a few of his titles here. So House Mystery, Claw the Unconquered, New Teen Titans, The Flyer Archie, Atari Force... You fan of that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember cool. some of that. Yeah, Atari Force. Yeah, uh, Sergeant Rock, Mighty Crusaders over at Archie again, or Red Circle, I believe it was at the time. Dark Horse. Uh, he did the DC Comics present issue eighty nine, which was the Amiga Man issue, and he worked on some of the Hawkman issues, which were the ones that followed. I mean, ones that followed Hawk World. You know, when it was that prestige foremost by Tim Truman, he worked oh, yeah. on the, the series that came after that. Worked on some Amiga Men, and he worked on Vigilante as well. Um, <clears throat> if you look at his inking style, he's a, there's there's a few inkers out there, aren't there? Like I was chatting to um, Simon Russell about this the other day about inking and and the overpowering effect that some inkers have over the pencilers. And you yeah. get people like Ernie Chan, and you know, few people who you can tell it's their work. They're not they're not yep. they're adding a, a flourish to it. And I think he does that with Tom Sutton. I think there's a lot of Villagran. Villagran oh, in, okay. in, in his yeah. art here, if you see what I mean. Um, right, yeah. I'm not very familiar with Villagran, so yeah. he I'm did, not really recognising it. I, I've got that Marvel app, and I had to sort of pour through 
the Marvel and the DC apps to see what else, whether I was right. And he'd worked over some Alex Saviek, some Mike Manley, some Luke McDonald, McDonald, and he even stamped his style on some Brayfoggle pages, which isn't an easy one to do with Brayfoggle. Mm. He's, he's very much a flourished artist, isn't he? You know, there's huge yeah. flourishes in his art, um, which is yeah. quite interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Um, any other? So, what would be your favourite? Any favourite moments? I know we've mentioned one, haven't we? Which is the mind meld moment. Have you got any other sort of stuff that went on? Well, uh, the, the love scene, of course. Yeah, I've got that as mine. I've actually marked the pages, page 60 and page yeah. 108. Yeah. Right. There's it's, nothing it's if page... not regular. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've seen if there's anything else I've, I've marked. Yeah. Uh, I like... just general things that I liked. Okay. Yeah, I like the, the way they, the... they managed the... There's, there's, there's a variety of costumes in this, or uniforms. Yes. And I like the way he manages to show them being different. Um, but also they add mm -hmm. that by the time we got to the movies, there was a few more quids stuck into Star Trek and we weren't stuck with, I remember um, Shatner complaining that he'd worn the shirt for so much time it had washed and had shrunk a bit. And there was a discussion whether it, it had shrunk or he'd grown. <laughs> and, but they, they throw a few few quid in it and there's a couple of space suits, almost like combat suits that appear in this yes. that are white. And I thought they were really well handled. I liked that stuff in it. Mm. You know? Yeah. There, there was, I don't know if that was a favourite point, but talking about the confusion i was feeling when reading it yeah there was there was a bit where savik um they're putting savik to sleep evil savik they're putting <laughs> her to sleep and then uh, they don't quite it doesn't quite work so evil savik overpowers good savik and good savik gets put away in the the sleeping thing and then now if, uh, if i wasn't confused enough about who was who now evil savik is walking around impersonating good savik yes and amongst everybody, and I just had to laugh because I just thought, oh, I'm just so lost now. <laughs> and what's going on here? Yeah. But even that had a nice little moment where, where the mirror Savic met the mirror Spock, and it was like they had a wee moment, and it was like, are they, are they going to click, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. That was yeah. nice. Yeah, it did definitely get confusing like that. I did mm. begin to feel that. What, where are we now? Who are these again? Yeah. yeah. And especially when you, as I read mine in like, one or two sittings the yeah. you'd be reading this monthly you might have to yeah you wouldn't always grip it would you i'm suspecting um, yeah but you felt me in the universe sorry. i felt like i was in the star trek universe for the whole of things it didn't lose me like that you know that's right yeah yeah i, th I think the pacing of it was very good it was it wasn't it wasn't frenetic it was yeah. kind of i wouldn't say it was leisurely but the lit moments happen the way that the wood in a star trek film i think yeah, like they uh, even something like okay, we've got to get this Klingon bird of prey working. Can we get to spend about three or four pages figuring out how to get it to take off? Yeah, that and was very it, movie trick, it wasn't it? It really was. Yes, I yeah. thought that was good. That was effective. Yeah, there's there's one page I wanted to give a shout out to in my volume. It's 156, and it's oh, yeah. the it's the equivalent of um, if you if I was writing a story and you were drawing it, Dave, I would say to you right. He looks over the mountain top, and there's 400 soldiers and 300 horses. But <laughs> okay. there's there's a equivalent where the the two universes are about to clash, and you've got he's drawn one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, at least 30 spaceships. Yeah, and they're yeah. all sort of subtly different. You know, mm -hmm. I suppose that was always the joy of Star Trek, wasn't it? We saw the Enterprise so much when a when a ship came along that was because they always were slightly different, weren't they? Um, yeah. We were so I was always slightly obsessed with that new, 
new version of a ship and when they're adding just little changes you know the saucer section is attached differently um that sort of thing i used to really like that you know yeah 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 and me it, too and, and you're reminding me that one time they met another ship and it was exactly the same and i felt <laughs> yeah. sort of cheated yeah exactly yeah yeah and, and i always thought used to think the enterprise was the greatest ship in the galaxy and then when oh, they yeah. meet a ship that's exactly the same you say oh, hang on a minute i thought the enterprise yeah. was the best ship yeah it's yeah. just one of a line Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. this one's just upside down or at that time they did that do you remember um yeah mirror universe thing they actually use an effect in the episode where it's going one way and then it changes direction to go the other way didn't it? that was their cunning effect mm. to go between parallel universes yeah um yeah we've we've touched on a few of these um before but there it is full of easter eggs isn't it mm-hmm. um there's obviously the klingon crew member who we know now yes yes it doesn't the, the starfleet doesn't get a klingon until much later in fact years That's and years right. later yeah we had the Andorian journalist, who's a sort of kid cub journalist kind of woman, which was an interesting one. Um, yep. uh, and there's there's an Andorian in Strange New Worlds as well, which is dealt with really well. Um, but then, I don't know if you noticed it, one of the captains is called Christopher Pike. Yes. I couldn't yeah, figure I that out. That, yeah. Why did they do that? Yeah. I'm not sure. Christopher Pike. There he was. Yeah. USS Christopher Pike to fleet, maintain yellow alert. He's on the NCC one seven oh nine. Oh right, okay. But he, so I don't know where he fits into anything. But in continuity, he was in that wheelchair at this point, wasn't he? Oh yeah, in the TV show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird one that. I just thought that was strange. They had uh, a they had a spaceship called the Nixon as well. Did you notice that? No, I didn't see that. Okay, the ISS Nixon. Uh, or or is it Nixom? <laughs> that's no, it's interesting. Nixon. Because page one five seven in this, as we all know, only Nixon can go to China. Exactly. Later on, yes, Fox is out. Yeah, that's um, six, isn't it? I think. Yeah. So that wouldn't have come out yet. Okay. No. Yeah, I mean, overall, how did you feel about it, man? Is it is it something you'll go back? Because I know they've done trades for some of the other series of this. Will you go back and get some? Do you think? Or I, I am increasingly feeling like I would buy all the DC comics. Of right. Star Trek, yeah. I want. I definitely want to get all the Marvel ones. I think the gold key ones are too expensive, but I've got a bunch of collections, trade paperback things of them. Yeah, I think the main expensive ones are the first ten. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they become. I think more I'm affordable. happy with my trade yeah, paperbacks. So. Yeah. And uh, and I think I would read the Marvel. No, is that right? The DC ones. Yeah. There was two series, wasn't there? Because there the, was. The, the, yeah. the rebooted it. Yeah, they went back to issue one for it and then just carried yeah. on. So there was, there was, I mean, there's I a think lot. They of, all might be quite good. Yeah, they are, they are, and I think because Sutton's on it for so long, yeah. it becomes this consistent art style through a lot of it. Um, I've got this, um, I've got this little idea in my head. I don't know if it's based on anything that Tom Sutton didn't care about Star Trek. <laughs> he might be right. You know the sort yeah. of John Buscema superheroes vibe. Yeah, maybe. I think he's just drawing it. You know, it's just a job. Yeah, I've, which I've got zero problem with, man. If it's oh, I readable, mind. yeah, I, he's, I he's think he's done a good so. job. Yeah, looks I'm, great. I mean, John B. Seema allegedly hated superheroes, but his um, Avengers stuff is fucking incredible. Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I've got an artist edition of that, and I love it. Absolutely oh, love it. Good. Yeah, I yeah. remember it from the black and white Marvel Weekly stuff. And yeah. Sutton's Vampirella is beautiful. You know, 
Yeah, just really incredible stuff. Yeah. And much, it's a weird one. It's sort of saucy cartooning. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a Bruce Tim-esque quality to some of it, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, and the Vampirella issues, you can pick up the um, I've got, I get the hard I get the hardbacks of that, but you can I think you can pick up the odd issue if you find it in the right place quite cheaply with his art in. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, so you've got eighty one issues, and and then there's a few little mini series as well. I think Dave, if you're going to get that, um, mm. yeah, there's some good stuff. Um, I saw that one you mentioned earlier. Was it the Madala Imperative? Imperative, yeah. Yeah, that's a little and mini I see series. that there's four issues, and then it goes, there's another four in the next generation. That's either. right. That's right. Yeah. And I've not read it, but I don't know whether that turns me off or not. Yeah. Because I might not want to read the last one. <laughs> I get you. It goes back to Marvel eventually for a very short amount of time, and it's not great. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, not. They do I like... think that's the point where I thought, no, I don't want to read that. They do like early voyages, and they do Starfleet Academy yes. and yes. stuff like that. But the IDW stuff is all over the shop. There's there's a Khan comic, um, mm. yeah. There's, there's all very a variety of them. But the Klingon thing, thing, yeah, I think there is that. You, what you yeah, can get Klingon is they, yeah. they do the there's a, a series. There's like a hardback collection of it. You know, like they did with Marvel and DC. They sort of collected hardbacks that were for over here. Really, mm-hmm. they do that, yeah. and they're quite yeah. they're quite reasonably priced. You can find them, and they I think they came out with like. A magazine and a toy for a period of time. They're always in Forbidden Planet. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then you deep dive on the bloody spaceships and all that sort of thing as well. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any? Have you ever bought anything like really nerdy around Star Trek, Dave? Or? Uh, I'm sure I have. Let me think. Oh, <laughs> I hadn't. I wasn't prepared. I must have done because you must have got some of the action figures or stuff like that. Have you or? Um. Not so much, but uh, I've got a I've got like a little viewfinder thing. Oh right, yeah, which yeah. is Star Trek. Uh, it's like a little keychain. Oh, view I know what you mean. Like the old thing. school things that you put the cartridge in and you clicked, and it was the next. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm not really embarrassed of that. You know, I need something <laughs> that I'm actually a bit embarrassed of. Yeah, and I can't. I can't see anything on my. I'm looking at my display of junk here. Yeah. Nothing's uh, nothing's striking out as being really. I mean, I've bought loads of Star Trek books and. Yeah, me too. Star, yeah. The, I bought the motion picture LP. Ah, like nice. That. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got a T-shirt with a gold key Star Trek. Uh, oh, I know on the ones. Cover yeah. on the front. Yeah. I saw some of them on Red Bubble. I was looking up Star Trek t-shirts and red bubble the other day yeah and they had some of them i've got um a start you know they do like little statues like busts of characters yes i've got a kirk one cool um i've got an alarm clock Uh um if you see me in the street and you listen to this get me to show i'll show you my wallet because i've got a yellow and black star trek uniform style wallet oh um yeah i've got (laughs) i've got those action figures that they had out in the 90s that they've started releasing again Playtale or something like that. Um, oh, yeah. And then I've got some of the figures that were the, they're like really rubbish, rubbery figures, but they wear actually, somebody's actually made clothes for them. Are they called mm. Mig- Migo? Is that right? Migo, yeah. 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 yeah I've got some you get of them, them in B&M just now, don't you? Oh, do you? The, the, but yeah, I don't think they're Migo, but they might be. But they're that style. Yeah, I know. I, I think no, they brought them, them out and, again, didn't they? Like, no. <laughs> Do you know you've reminded me uh, years and years ago when I was at college? Yeah, it must have been the nineties, and and uh, and 
the idea. I remember sitting talking to this guy that was in my class. Yeah. And I said to him, do you know, I've been thinking, what would, do you know what would be cool? And he was like, what? And I said, do you know, I'd like to get like a, a shirt. And it would just be like a regular long sleeve shirt, except it would have like the star fleet insignia in the right place. And I said, imagine, <laughs> if, imagine if you got that. I mean, this was the 90s. You weren't able to just go and buy that. That idea doesn't probably seem that outlandish nowadays. Yeah. But but back then I was like, man, that would be great because then you could wear that and you could walk around and it would be like you were in Star Trek, eh? And I, yeah. I never forgot the look on his face of just how badly wrong I'd got it that I was saying this to him. And remember, he just went, oh, God, no. No, Dave, no, no, no. He just had to get it through to me that, no, you know, if that ever becomes possible, don't do that. <laughs> that was a wake up call to me. Yeah. Of how big a so nerd don't I was. tell anyone anything ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I look back at that now and think, how did I not know? Yeah. I think I was uh, I was just in my own little world, you know. I didn't know Star Trek was nerdy. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So now I just live there, you know, willfully. <laughs> yeah, I do. You go yeah. you go back to whatever it is, you know, that you're watching on telly. I'll watch Star Trek. Yeah, I know. I'd, I'd rather watch that than fucking EastEnders or something. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's boring, isn't Every it? time the missus goes out, I stick on an episode of Star Trek or something. You know, I'm sitting there watching Brilliant. that. I, I watch the bloody cartoon. I don't care. I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some good writers on that. Ellison wrote one of them. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember, just as a quick aside before we start talking about your stuff, but I remember there being a bar in um, just near Horsfury Road in London, central London. Mm. And it was, it was at the height of... Um, Next Gen was almost finishing. We had Deep Space Nine on, you know, all that sort of thing. It was a, it was a Star Trek-themed bar in the West End. This is yes. how popular it was for a while. People don't really appreciate that. And they sold, um, they called it Romulan Ale, but it was basically Heineken with a green dye in it and stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah. the toilet doors made that noise when you oh, opened wow. them. And it was yeah. always, the, the bar staff had a uniform that was similar enough, but not to be copyright with Star Trek, you know? And right, it was, yeah. what a place. I remember going there after work a couple of times, like 8 o'clock at night or something, with some work people, and them going, what the fuck is this? You know. But it was an incredible place. I think it was only open for a couple of years. But they always used to go and do, like, TV spots from there when there was a, a new Star Trek mm. movie out or something. They'd go in there, and it'd be full of the same old weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, that, was, that was quite a thing. Good. Thanks that, man. It was nice. It was. It, do you know what? It came at exactly the right time for me. I was just... I'd had a, a few years of having a bit of a downer on Star Trek after discovering me going, I don't like this. Uh, and then suddenly Strange New World's come and I was banging it. I was like, I've read like three novels in the last couple of weeks. And you said to me, why don't we talk about that? And it was literally sitting on the side there. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think I, as soon as you said it, I think I sent you a photograph of it within minutes, didn't I, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought, oh, he's a way to buy that. That's what I thought myself. <laughs> but no, you had it anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's a good shout, yeah. Mm. Yeah, strange that strange that goes sometimes. That's old blokes. Yeah, um, good. So, how is um, how's your comic reading going at the moment? You buy much and reading much at the moment, dude? Well, um, there, there was something called Perth Comic Con last weekend. Oh right, and I went through to that with uh, with Mike and uh, Nando. Ah, oh, cool. And uh, I picked up uh, some stuff through there. Was it, was, it a good, one, was it a good comic buying convention or was it, you know, the it usual? Was, it was, uh, I'd say it was a okay, okay. comic right. buying convention. There was like, of all the stalls, there was like three or four with, with 
with long boxes and things. Well, to that's things more to... than you get in most places. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I more mean, than the thought bubble had last time. Yeah, yeah. So okay. uh, we did that and um, dodged. You know, there was Jedi knights running around fighting and all that, all the usual kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. And um, and then we came up with there and uh, went to the uh, charity shop and they had a bunch of stuff as well. So oh, I nice. picked up some nice uh, things, but I've not read them yet. But I got a Blazing Combat issue. The, the UK old, uh, Weekly. The, no, the old, uh, you know, the old um, Warren, the Warren magazine. Oh, of course. Blazing yeah, yeah. Combat, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking um, of Forces in Combat, pardon me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and nice. I got, uh, what else? I got a few George Perez Wonder Women's. Cool. But I've not read them yet either. But I did pick up this thing that I'd never heard of before called Middle Class Fantasies. Oh, that sounds a bit saucy. And, yeah, it's got a nice drawing. It's, it's looks like Rita Hayworth on the front. <laughs> right. Okay. And I thought, oh, look at this. It's just got that undergroundy feel. It's yeah. from the seventies. Okay. Black and white newsprint inside, color cover. And so I read that, and it's got this. It's got someone called the Frogman, and he and he goes and has a kind of surreal, sexy stories. You know, something that around. Great. Yeah, it's good. And then there's one that. Um, a storyline where they bring well I'll I'll just give you this right this tells you what it is <laughs> he's this there's a crowd and they go it's a bird it's a plane no it's George Reeves oh okay and they've brought George Reeves back to life <laughs> and now he, and now he's flying around like he's Superman <laughs> so that was good and then there's another one that's all about the Marx brothers that was the third story and it's loads of lines from their movies and all drunk to his smart assisms and anyway, so that was a nice little find. Yeah. Middle like class fantasies. Like Have a look at that. Yeah, it's uh, that I should say it's Keith Green. Oh, okay. I'm right. Do you know Keith Green? I'd never I don't think so. Oh wait a minute. Right, let me just look at this properly. Published in San Francisco by Keith Green. Okay. And the story is by Jerry Lane. Okay. Middle class fantasies, and there was a number one and a number two, so I just picked up both of them. Yeah. Oh right. Oh, that's good. There's clearly some collector local to that shop, isn't there? That's. Um, yeah. I was just... saying that to Nando. This is like a real collection, you know. Yeah. This isn't just like random junk. This is, this is actual a collector of a real interest. He's probably had it since it came out, maybe or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love all that sort of stuff, man. That's good. I right, so that's good. Yeah. yeah. And what's um, what's happening on the pod at the moment? What have you got going on the go? Oh. You never know because you. <laughs> I always ask you this, and you go, oh, God. "We record so I many." Always I, forget, <laughs> I always forget to. Yeah, I'm sure Tom said the other day he's got like eight or something. Right. Okay. That he's working through. Yeah. And then he and then he uh, he wrote yesterday and said, "Hey, guess what? I've started listening to all the pods again from the start." Right. I think he just lives in a perpetual that comic smell land. <laughs> well, why not? When he's you know doing his job, he's got time to walk about and listen to things. So, I, I as soon as your episodes drop, I listen to it because I love oh, to hear nice. you all. Yeah. But yeah. I especially love to hear you talking to Mike. Yeah, there's there's, there's a familiar sarcasm there, but I like I like the relationship between the two of you. I know. Yeah. So do I. He's just <laughs> he's he's one of a kind. He loves dinosaur comics, doesn't he? Just oh, he them. does. He does. He sent me another script because we're start we're working on doing that comic. Yeah, that's what I was going to next ask about. Yeah, oh good. Yeah, 
So he sent me the script, and once again, I just thought, oh, my God, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even put it into words, you know. I'm really going to have to sit and think about this before I even put a pen to paper. Oh, so he he's written brain. it and you're drawing it? Yeah. Nice. And then, and, and he and he, he sent it, and I said, okay, yeah. I says, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, I don't know. And funnily enough, once again, it was Raptors. There was like a conversation, and then it got to, yeah, well, blah, 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 Raptors. And I thought, what's Raptors got to do with that? You know? <laughs> so I had to write and say, Tom, I'm uh, sorry, Mike, I'm maybe missing someone here, but, you know, what's Raptors got to do with anything? So yeah. he, he sent me the explanation, and I thought, I don't understand the explanation. You know? <laughs> but this is this is my life for Mike. It's good. It keeps things really interesting. Talk about the San Francisco comic scene. This is turning into mm. the, the Brotty Ferry comic scene, isn't it? You know. Well, I hope so. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and you know it's great. You know this yourself. Is what what's better than working on comics with, with, with your buddies and yeah, it's great when you get a script and you don't understand it because now you've got someone to think about, discuss yeah. magic. Everybody should make comics, and it's also the you've got um you've got the few people doing stuff that it will be more in the end, won't it? You know. Not, yeah. It, it's, yeah. The, the, the sum of all parts will become that. you know infinitely better when you know it's just. You know the, the fact that you've got your energy and and you know Mike and Tom and Nando's energy going into this book, it's going to be great. You know mm-hmm. that's what I like about it. Um, yeah, I was speaking to Mike on the text the other day. We occasionally text each other, and um, yeah. he, I was, I, I was reading something about Dudley D. Watkins, and mm-hmm. I didn't realise that he lived in Brotty Ferry. It's where he passed away, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was he was based here for, for decades. Yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, have you ever been to the house? Because I know he died in the sixties, long before you were born. But have you ever been to? Said, not, um, not knowingly, but I know it's right. around here, so I've probably walked past it. There's a plaque and everything. Ah, no? uh, nice. With oh, his stuff. name on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. else? Um, what else are you working on at the moment, Dave? Oh well, um, I'm working on my own next book. Yeah, I've been. So I've seen I've some got... of the art coming in and out of the socials. Yeah, yeah. I've got like one story left to colour and then another two pager to do and then that'll be it right. <clears throat> and um, and I've got my usual guest artists they've all been sending me pages in as well so I'd say it's pretty much all ready to go mostly can and you I'll... hint at who the guests are at all or oh uh, well Mike Mike is one of them cool and uh, Helena Edwardson oh nice I've just done something with Helena yeah yeah Lovely, uh, she's great. Yeah, and there's uh, there's loads. So, ah, oh, exciting. Uh, so it's looking good, yeah. Exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Is Helena working on that at the moment? She's done it. Oh, she's done it. Is she? Oh, okay. Yeah, she was quick. That's good. I always send things to people and say, "Here you go." Of you know, two and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you can get it done. Yeah. yeah, I just go like, yeah, just give people plenty of loads of time, you know. But I think with some then, people like Helena and Mike, you know they're going to get to it. You know they're going to oh, do yeah. it. But there's some yeah. people you go, oh, you know, it's not going to get done. There's always somebody that drops out or forgets. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, that's just going to happen. Yeah. I'd rather just do something rather than, I'm terrible for this because I owe someone a script at the moment, but mm-hmm. I know once I get started, I'll feel much better, you know, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you mean... When you're writing it, or yeah, when I'm writing it, yeah, I can't draw, yeah. can't draw for toffee. Um, plus, it's too much effort to draw. You can draw. I've seen your artwork done. 
Well, oh, Boney Desmond is now call my artist uh, person. He draws. Um, Good. Is there a theme around this new book at all, or is it just a collection of short uh, stories? Or is it's, it it's a collection. It's called Reject All. Okay, cool. That's the name of it. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's a collection of different things. Yeah. And Reject, uh, reject All. Cool. Yes. My titles choose themselves. Never. Oh, is that what it's called? Okay. And and I usually think, really, that's that's what it's called. <laughs> and then you go, it keeps telling you, yeah, that's it. So I go, okay. Yeah, it's weird like that. Some things stick in your head and some things don't, don't they? I think. Yeah, I think it's a choice uh, yeah. to, to work like that. You can go, oh, that must be it then. You know, that's kind of how I picked Fred Egg Comics as a name. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I, Just yeah. sounds right somehow, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Good stuff, man. Thanks for this. It's been a, it's been another fun one. Um, yeah, enjoyed it. I've been sending you ridiculous pictures of things in old Star Trek comics that look like penises for most of the week. Um, what? Yeah. Um, where can we find you on the socials, that. dude? <laughs> you find me by just googling um, Fred Egg Comics. Cool. And everything is really under Fred Egg Comics. And you've Facebook. got an Instagram, a Facebook, Instagram. and a, a Twitter. I'm going to say. Twitter, yes, and uh, my blog. Fred Ed Comics. Yeah. Are you are you on Comic House at all? Yes. Oh, cool. So you can read yes, them if you've got think, Comic House. Yeah, I've got I've got four or five. In fact, I should have another look and see what if I should update that. But yeah, there's a good yeah. few on there. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Because I know a lot of people who listen to this have got an, uh, got an account on there. They can have a look at a read. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly, I think uh, Booze Haha's on there. And, cool. Um, I think T Bridge disaster. Maybe I think it is. I think you're right, man. Yeah. I remember it being on there. Yeah, I think it is because yeah. you did. I remember thinking at the time you did the right thing, is you gave it that decent amount of time from putting it out from the Kickstarter before you put it on Comic House, which I think is yeah. kind of the polite thing to do, isn't it? You know. I think so. When people have uh, given you money and pledged and supported you. Yeah, yeah, they they've yeah. got a little period to that, be yeah. the people who got it, and before it gets, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, man. Um, you can find me on neverunanything.com. Um, Hidden Lives is available to buy on neverunanything.bigcartel.com. That's a new book along with Dirty Basement number one. Um, we'll be at uh, Bridlington Comic Con, believe it or not. Um, Tribute Press will be there. Andrew Hempel, who runs, runs it, is very kind of him. He's given uh, free tables to small press people. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. That and I'm looking forward to meeting Ace from Doctor Who. Um, who I think will be my Sophie wife Aldrin. by the end of the weekend. So that'll be fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, good. Remember and she beat up that Dalek with the uh, with the baseball bat. I literally sent someone that as a as a gif about an hour ago. That was brilliant. It was good when she had like the super powered baseball bat, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She just battered it. And the other favourite moment of hers is, is when she climbs down a ladder in I'm going to say the Curse of Fenric, and you can see what she's wearing on her legs. Oh. Yeah. That's another favourite of ours as young men. Um, but good stuff. So come and see us there. And then we've got BAM, um, Bristol Art Market in October, and as well as Nottingham Comic Con in October as well. So th- th- we're doing a few things. Um, we're hoping there's going to be a Never On Anything panel at Nottingham Comic Con. So keep your ears open for that. We'll be discussing something with hopefully one of the guests. But before that, I should say goodbye to you, dear listener, and me and Dave will keep chatting and talk about the next thing we're going to talk about. Thanks, dude. Much appreciated.